It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. The coronavirus has had a major impact on Las Vegas, both from the visitor perspective and the locals who live and work here. And my guest, Phil Rahalik, will give us some insight and practical tips on dealing with the challenges of travel cancellation, rebooking, and other issues. Phil is the owner of Above All Travel, a full-service Las Vegas travel agency which has been in business here since 1989. For more information, you can email Phil, Phil Rahalik, at phil at abovealltvl.com. And that's, of course, short for travel, abovealltvl.com. And Phil, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ira. Nice to be here. There's so much to talk about in terms of what's been going on the impact on Las Vegas, the impact on the travel industry as well. But I guess we'll start off with the the impact on both locals and visitors in terms of airline cancellation and what happens in terms of getting your money back or credits to your credit card because of the fact that flights are canceled, not due to the choice of the consumer. Well, that's a, that's a major sticking point personally with me. You know, I haven't been in the business for 35 years the rule has always been, and this is a DOT rule, Department of Transportation, which the airlines are regulated by what they state in a nutshell, is that if a flight is canceled, either with or without the carrier's control, that they are obligated to either provide a refund or to put a client on the next available flight. Now, suddenly in this case, when this all came down back in late February through March, the airlines, rather than granting refunds to passengers, were giving them airline credit. Initially, it started out, it was only through the month of March. And then as March progressed and the situation got worse and more restrictions to travel came through, they extended it through the end of April end of April went through the end of May, and now some of the airlines have actually extended it through until September. Now, the sticking point here is on April the 3rd, the Department of Transportation issued a letter to the airlines stating the rule that I just specified to you, that they have to give refunds back to passengers whenever possible. Unfortunately, that was the last thing we heard about that, and then after that, that just seemed to go by the wayside. So a lot of passengers, and and particularly, this is what bothers me, people had a lot of money invested in airline tickets, you know, possibly traveling in the short term, possibly traveling sometime within the next six months. Now, these same people that have lost their job within the last month or two could definitely use to have that money back. Because in most cases, once they go back to work, they're going to be paying back mortgages, bills, utilities, whatever, or rebuilding their businesses. So the chance of being able to travel during that lifetime of that credit is probably slim to none. Therefore, in the long run, they're going to end up losing this money. But I think what needs to be done is the Department of Transportation really needs to hold the airlines to task in a letter of the law 
And actually, to take it one step further, with all the government bailout money, last I heard, as of last Friday, it was $25 billion in payroll assistance. They should make the airlines refund passengers prior to being given this bailout money. Otherwise, they're double-dipping. They're really not losing any money because they're not giving anybody any money back on refunds, and they're getting government bailout money on top of it. So I just don't think that's right. What could an individual do, for example, since it is a letter from the Department of Transportation, DOT, to the airlines, and so it is a regulation or a rule, couldn't the individual traveler send a note to the airline saying, listen, this is a DOT rule, I want my money back? Well, here's the problem with that one, and then I'll tell you how I've been addressing it with my clients. The problem is, if you've ever tried to get a refund from the airline, you know there's a toll-free number or an email address for just about anything that you would want to do with an airline until you come to refunds or customer complaints. Suddenly, you've got to go on an archaeological dig find <laughs> a phone number or an email address of anybody And basically, they hide behind that. There's a curtain there. You can't call anybody. You know, you don't know anybody in that department. There's no way of contacting them. So it just goes into an abyss. Now, here's what I've been telling my clients. What they need to do is get a hold of our state senators and our representatives, the ones who actually voted on the stimulus package bill, and do exactly what I just said. Tell them that the airlines should not receive a penny of money until they get their refund policy in compliance with the actual law and start refunding these passengers instead of giving them travel credits that, again, they may or may not be able to use. Now, that's sound advice. I think also the hitting the particular representatives and senators that serve on committees that regulate or help oversee the airline industry. Sure, sure. As I mean, well. Yeah, most definitely. You know, these are the people that can make the difference. When you hold the purse strings, all of a sudden you've got the airline's ear. But right now they're double dipping. They're keeping the passenger money, and they're also accepting the government bailout money. And really, I don't see where they're losing anything. Do you see from your perspective and with your experience, Phil, that that will be resolved in the relatively near future? And the reason I say relatively near future is because As you indicated, people could use that money now. Well, the only thing that I've actually heard, and it's a grassroots effort, is there have been some individual lawsuits against multiple carriers, and they're starting to start a class action suit. I've heard it against three different airlines so far. If this can can get traction and people get behind it and maybe have some larger law firms work pro bono to represent people, I think they can actually force the airlines into compliance. Because as I said, DOT you know, chimed in on April 3rd, and I thought we were going to make some headway there, and I watched for news articles after that, and it was a one and done. That's all I heard was April 3rd when they originally brought it up, and then it got somehow quashed and never heard a word about it again. And there are a lot of people in that position in terms of booking a a flight, and then all of a sudden we can't go, not due to anything about us or about the airline, but it's just government order, shut down, can't go. Well, exactly. Exactly. You know, and I mean, part of the, the DOT directive or mandate 
is it doesn't matter what the reason is. If the airline cancels a flight or does not operate a flight, they owe you compensation for that. Nowhere in there does it say that you get a travel credit to be used later. Yeah, very good point. Because of your experience, Phil, and you're talking not only with and dealing with not only airlines, but you're dealing with cruises and to some degree tour groups and ground transportation, all of those kinds of elements of travel. Do you have any other tips for dealing with those groups in terms of cancellations and rescheduling and perhaps refunds of money? Oh, most definitely. Again, none of the vendors want to give back money if at all possible. You know, it's just a cash flow issue. I know my own agency, we've had hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of canceled bookings in the last six weeks. A lot of this coming right, you know, prior to spring break, which we had booked way last fall, and people were literally within seven to ten days of packing their bags and leaving. But what I found through this whole instance is is that you want to wait for them to make the first move. In other words, what I'm saying is let the airline, the cruise line, or tour operator cancel the trip first. Then you have more options. And I'll give you an example of that. Back in late February and early March, I had several clients that got nervous about, um, you know, the coronavirus and places that they were going. So they went ahead and canceled their trip, even though they had non-refundable hotel payments and non-refundable airline tickets. Well, at that time, there were no travel restrictions in place. So the airlines and the hotels viewed this as a voluntary action on their part. They did not have travel insurance on it, so they lost the value of what they had. Now, if the cruise line cancels a cruise, you have two options. One is you can either get a full refund of all the monies that you paid for the cruise, Or the second one, and they're doing this to try to retain capital and revenue, is they're offering 125% future cruise credit for rebooking. And then you have up until December 2022 to use that credit. So if you had a $4,000 cruise, they're giving you the equivalent of $5,000 in value to rebook a cruise within the next two-year window, which is a nice perk, you know. so. You can upgrade your cabin. You can use it for other things. But again, if you preempt their policy and the cruise still operates, but you're nervous and you don't want to go, so you go ahead and cancel it, well, then the standard cancellation policies apply. And, of course, the closer you get to the cruise date, the higher those penalties become until ultimately it becomes 100%. Now, tour operators are doing basically the same thing. Most of them are allowing you to rebook up to two years into the future, and they're giving additional incentives not to cancel and request a refund. So what many of them are doing is they're offering free nights. So let's say you had booked a six-night vacation prior to that. With the free nights, you can rebook a seven- or eight-night vacation for basically the same cost. So, again, my recommendation to people that have a little bit of time and they're not within the cancellation window is just to sit and wait it out and then let the vendor basically make the first move. And if they cancel it, then they have to lay their cards on the table and you know exactly what you're dealing with. And usually it will end up in your benefit to do so. Now, that's great advice. When you're talking about airlines, cruises, tour groups, etc., it's all within that framework of the travel industry. 
I would think that there are associations in each of those categories that would give some guidance to their members, such as the airline industry or cruises, et cetera. Are there national organizations that can give guidance to their members so that maybe the airlines start refunding the money? Pretty much we're in uncharted territory in this one. As I said, I've been in the business for 35 years, and outside of the five days after the attack of 9-11, when all air travel stopped, I've actually never seen things this bad. Most everything to do with tour operators, cruise lines, airlines, are voluntary organizations that they join. Like there's one that's called Cruise Line International Association, which of course is for the cruise lines, CLIA as we call it. They make suggestions, they're like an advisory type board, but they cannot lay sanctions or anything else or set policy. What they're kind of is is a think tank. Tour operators that are based in the United States have the United States Tour Operators Association, which again basically is an accreditation organization saying that they've looked at your finances They've looked at your complaint history. They've made sure that you're bonded for a million dollars and so forth. Again, they're more of a of a branding or an endorsement, but they do not have any sanctioning policies in order to tell airlines, cruise lines, tour groups, or anything like that what they should do in these instances. So, interesting. Well, let's take a break. My guest, Phil Ray Hollick, and uh, full disclosure. Phil, did I say it right? You did, actually. There you go. Phil, full disclosure, Phil is a friend of mine, and his advice to me is worth a lot, so I wanted to have him on. He's the owner of Above All Travel, a full-service Las Vegas travel agency, which has been in business here since 1989. For more information, you can contact Phil at phil at aboveallTVL.com. Not abovealltravel.com, but abovealltvl.com. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. Thank you for staying home from Nevada. As we continue to work together to prevent the spread of COVID-19, we must all do our part. Avoid non-essential travel and gatherings. Work from home. And remember, if you must go out, stay six feet from others and wash your hands often. If you're sick, you must stay home. We all know someone we want to protect, mom, grandpa, or a family friend. There are many reasons to stay home for Nevada, and stopping the spread of this virus is up to all of us. And I encourage Nevadans to stay up to date with reliable information by calling 211 or visiting the Nevada Health Response website at nvhealthresponse.nv.gov. Thank you to everyone for supporting your neighbors, working together, and staying home for Nevada. This message funded by a grant through the Nevada Department of Health and Human Services aired in cooperation with the Nevada Broadcasters Association and this station. Now let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Welcome back. I'm talking with Phil Ray Hollick. Not easy to say. <laughs> but I'm doing it. He's, he's given us some insight. After 30 years of friendship. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's given us some insight and practical tips on dealing with the challenges due to the coronavirus of travel cancellations, rebooking, and other issues. Phil is the owner of Above All Travel. It's a full-service Las Vegas travel agency, which has been in business here since 1989. And you can contact Phil at phil at abovealltvl.com. That's phil at aboveallt, as in Tom, V as in Victor, L as in lover.com, which, of course, he's all three. So anyway, Phil, <laughs> something that has always interested me in, in terms of the travel agent and the travel agency business, clearly with online booking and the explosion in all these different websites offering all kinds of opportunities for discounts on hotels and flights and etc. What is the status of travel agents these days? And why is that people still actually use travel agents? Obviously, you're doing well, except during the coronavirus. But what is the status of travel agents today? Well, just ask the millions of people who booked their trips online and then couldn't get through to any of the online agencies or airlines because they didn't have the capacity to handle the volume of the calls. You know, in the, as soon as this epidemic hit, all of the vendors were just, you know, overwhelmed as far as the calls that were coming in. You know, add to that that the fact that the policies are changing daily, if not multiple times a day, then there's no one to guide you through the process. Now, we have been here in the office since day one, obviously predating this whole thing. So my customers who have booked through me can pick up the phone at just about any time call me and find out what the status of their trip is, or more likely, we've been proactive in this, where we have actually been contacting our clients, sending out broadcast emails, keeping them up to date on anything relevant to their trip, and then should something happen, obviously we're the first ones to know if a flight's been canceled, a cruise has been canceled, or whatever, and then, like I was telling you before, what the policies are as far as being able to rebook and actually getting more for your money, these are all the kind of things that we guide them through. Now, when you're dealing with an online booking source, you're the one that's doing all the work. So you're only as smart as the information that you've got. And then if you do have a problem in this, good luck trying to get through to a customer service representative or, God forbid, if you do, you may end up being routed overseas somewhere where you're talking to somebody who barely speaks English and really has no idea how to go about helping you. So, you know, with us, you're actually dealing with a human being that's in your community, that knows you, knows your situation. You know, we're on top of this stuff because we survive by repeat business. So... If I do a good job for you, you know, hopefully you tell your friend, your neighbor, your child, whatever. We've actually had clientele where I've done their wedding, then I've done their family's first trip to Disneyland, then I've done their kids' trips to looking at colleges, and now I'm working on their weddings and taking their kids to Disneyland. So I've been dealing sometimes with two and three generations of the same family, so I know these people inside and out. So, you know, I have to look at them. I have to see them in public. But I want to make sure that I take care of them so that they come back to me and that they feel good about doing business with us. 
you just don't get that with an online booking source. You don't have anybody to fall back to if something happens. And like I said, in this instance, you know, hold times are three, four, five hours if you ever get through at all. So people have got a lot of money invested in this and they've got nobody to talk to. If you book with a travel agent, you're calling somebody locally that you've looked in the eye before, or possibly sat across the desk and made that booking with, and, you know, we're going to be there for you. We're going to take care of you all the way through this, and we're going to make sure that you either get your money back or that you get your trip at some point. What's the view of, of airlines and cruise lines towards the travel agent today versus 10, 20, 30 years ago? Do you still have the impact you did 20, 30 years ago, or is it just because it's such a big industry now, they still will pay attention to you, but it's not quite the same because other people are booking online? With airlines, um, definitely. That relationship went south in 1994. Basically, I don't know if a lot of people know how it works with travel agents, but we do not charge the customer for our services. We get a commission back from the vendors which used to be the airlines, cruise lines, tour operators, um, limo companies, you know, all tour operators that operate locally. Well, in 1994, the airlines decided they were going to go direct marketing to the consumer, and so they cut agency commissions. So it's been a little adversarial as far as our relationships there. On the other hand, tour operators and cruise lines actually rely on travel agencies for the bulk of their business. And the reason is, is they don't want to spend the time on an 800 number with one of their agents to walk a client through every conceivable option of cruises where they would rather pay us a commission to do that, sit with the customer, qualify them, book them, it's just a more streamlined procedure for them, and the same thing for the tour operators. And again, when there's a problem like this, rather than people calling and sitting on hold for hours on end, they call the original booking agent, like myself, and we take care of any of those customers. So you have special lines or phone numbers that you can call that can get you to the right person a lot easier as well, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, we have industry lines that we go to what they call industry-trained reservation agents on the other end. So rather than being somewhat of, they put their newer people on the public lines, on the front line ones. They know when we call in, we generally have a specific technical question that we're calling in for. So we tend to get the more senior people that work there. If we can't get the answer that we're looking for there, most all of the larger vendors have regional business development managers that we can call, and they're dedicated to a certain region or a tri-state region, let's say. They come and visit us in the office. We see each other across the table. You know, like I said, I've been in business 35 years. Most of them know me, know my reputation. So they know if they get a phone call from me, it's a pretty elevated situation that nobody else can handle, and that's the only reason that I'm calling them. To answer your question, yeah, we can get through channels that the general public doesn't even have access to. Yeah, that's good to know because if I call, I'm just, I'm, it's called aging in place while I sit on oh, that definitely. 800 line. Yeah. 
definitely get yourself a cup of coffee, <laughs> you know, a cozy uh, place to sit for a while because you're going to be there. You know, so, yeah. Now, probably a question that occurs to a lot of people is, and from your perspective as a professional travel agent, do you recommend travel insurance? Oh, you know, Ira, I've always been an advocate of that. And now I think anybody out there that has had a trip canceled on them probably can see the value of that. What I always tell people is this. If you had to cancel a trip and you were under full penalty, ask yourself the question, can I afford to lose the amount I invested in it? If the answer is no, then you should purchase the insurance. But if you can afford to risk losing the cost of a trip should you have to cancel, then it becomes a value judgment. Most insurance on package deals are between 129 to 169 per person. So if you've got a $1,000 or $5,000 vacation and it costs you anywhere from $250 to $300 to insure it and you have to cancel, you're getting about $4,700 back versus nothing. And you know, when people bulk back or whatever on that one, I always just bring up, I said, well, you insure your car in your home, don't you? But you don't get mad if you didn't crash your car. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> or that your house didn't burn down, you know. <laughs> I mean, but either of those were, were to happen, you'd be glad that you were insured. So basically, insurance is security that you'll get your money back should something unforeseen happen that forces you to cancel your trip. And essentially, you know, there's a lot of people that are learning that lesson out there right now that invested thousands of dollars. We've had several of those, too. And, you know, spring break just came up. A lot of people that had booked last September and October for spring break two weeks ago were unable to travel. Well, now essentially either they lost it or they have a travel credit to be used in the future but, of course, what does the future hold right now? When are they going to go back to work? When are their kids going to go back to school again? You know, who can plan six months, nine months from now when we don't even know where we're going to be two weeks from now? Sure. That makes sense. There's so many questions I could ask, but we're running out of time. I've got one important one, and that's from your perspective as a travel agent and as a local Las Vegan, looking at our world here, will Las Vegas bounce back quickly once the self-quarantine is lifted? That's that's a good question. Uh, I mean, again, you know, I go back to 9/11 when that happened here, and people were scared and they stayed away for a while, but they could identify that situation. It was a one-time event, whereas here, this is an ongoing area, and it's affected all aspects of our local economy. You got all the casino hotel employees, essentially that are out of work right now. You have all the ancillary services on that one, you know, people delivering food, breads, you know, beverages, everything else, cleaning supplies. You've got the airlines that have cut back 95% of their domestic flights and 100% of their international flights. It's going to take a while, you know. It's going to take a while. The other thing is, too, we're heading into our summer season, which for Vegas has not always been our strongest time of year. We kind of just float through the summer months, and then we kick into high gear again when college football starts in August and professional football starts. 
and then our convention season starts again. So I think if we can get back on track here by the beginning of June, we have essentially the summer months, June and July and half of August, to ramp back up to full speed again. And then hopefully the gamblers will come back, the sports bettors will come back, the conventions that haven't canceled will now be in full gear again, and then hopefully this is just nothing but a bad memory by New Year's. Well, I hope that's the case, and I think that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Phil Rayholic. He's the owner of Above All Travel, a full-service Las Vegas travel agency which has been in the business here since 1989. For more information, you can email Phil at phil at abovealltravel. It's not Above All Travel. That's the name of the company, but the email is phil at abovealltvl.com. Dot com. That's Phil at AboveAllTVL.com. And Phil, do you also take calls and uh, get information for people outside of Las Vegas? Oh, yeah, definitely. I would say probably 60% of my business comes nationally as opposed to locally. So, Fascinating. You know, the nice thing about Vegas is a lot of people have family outside of town or they've moved from here, but you still retain the relationships. So. Yeah, great. Well, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Be Las Vegas.